gents, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode number 24, and thankfully, Josh is back this week. Yeah, boy. Y'all settled in? I am, man. I I apologize for having to take a week off, but I had a lot going on with moving and whatnot. It was a long week, I'll tell you what. That's all right. Powered through. But you'll be happy to know I didn't cover all the news without you, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, but needless to say, so I recorded on Friday because it's a little bit later. I thought, you know what? I don't know if there's going to be enough stuff to talk about in that sh- short span of time between Wednesday and Wednesday, uh, Friday evening and Wednesday evening. Holy crap, I was wrong. There is so much to talk about today. Yeah, we have... A huge list, and it almost started to become a thing where we're like, okay, we got to record because I don't know if we're going to have enough time to talk about all this stuff. So, yeah, let's not waste any more time. The big news that literally just dropped maybe like two or three hours before we started recording this is Idris Elba, Heimdall from Thor, um, and a lot of people's picks to be the next James Bond. Well, that might be out the window now because apparently he's going to be in the Suicide Squad, James Gunn's Suicide Squad. Not just going to be in it, he's going to be replacing Will Smith as Deadshot. Wow, okay, this came out of nowhere. Yeah, um, I had a feeling, because I think you and I talked previously about this whole Suicide Squad thing and how this new James Gunn one is going to basically be a revamp. Well, you know, they're obviously keeping Margot Robbie, but merchandise, merchandise, obviously. Um, but I mean, I can, I don't see why not replace Will Smith. I mean, his, his dead shot wasn't bad, but I mean, why not? I, I, the one thing that I do take this as kind of a, a loss is, and I think, yeah, he's not gonna be. He wouldn't be my John Stewart, and then I, I really want him as John Stewart. Yeah, he was my pick, and a lot of other people's pick to be John Stewart in a Green Lantern movie for a long time. Um, I thought he said he was done with superhero movies after he quit Heimdall, but I guess if the money's right and if the director's right, he'll come back. I think it's yeah. interesting that with a concept like Suicide Squad, with an ever-changing roster. They couldn't just drop Deadshot entirely and just have Idris Elba play somebody else. I think it's interesting that they want to keep him, but just recast Will Smith. Yes. Which, I mean, maybe it's the tone. Because, I mean, if we talk about, you know, Deadshot, the tone Will Smith brought to Deadshot is not necessarily uh, the, the playful. Yeah, that's the it's playful not Floyd Lawton. Yeah, that's not really him. So I mean, I, I can see that, especially since they've kind of, there's been this vibe coming from uh, WB that is a complete revamp. Yeah, uh, I just was not expecting this at all. I was already pretty much looking forward to the Suicide Squad, but I love me some Idris Elba. I never can get enough of him and stuff. I'm disappointed we don't get him as John Stewart now. But I'm very excited to see him in The Suicide Squad, and I'm still willing to bet that he was a Marvel guy, James Gunn was a Marvel guy, and I think we're going to get some other Marvel people in this, namely Dave Bautista. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised at all. But, wow. Okay. I think it's 
I think this is kind of clear now that it was kind of Will Smith's choice to leave because clearly yeah. they want to do stuff with the Deadshot character. Yeah, obviously. Which Will Smith, dude, you have way too long of a list of made the wrong choice and stuff. So I hope this isn't one for them for him. Yeah, absolutely. Well, another kind of really out of left field news that I did not see coming, but at the same time, I don't think it's that surprising. Stephen Amell, the star of Arrow, who I really like him as a dude, and I kind of, I'm more I kind of like his Oliver Queen. I have some qualms with it as a whole, but um, he came out on social media today saying that the next season of Arrow will be a shortened season at ten episodes. And it will be the final season. So Arrow will end after eight seasons. It's kind of weird that this is the end. I thought the show was still doing relatively well ratings-wise. I haven't watched since halfway through season three when I rage quit because of Felicity, like a lot of other fans. Um, Supposedly it got better. I never came back to it. But this still, to me, is a bit surprising just because... The other shows seem to be doing well, and I kind of forget how long Arrow's been on for. Yeah, I didn't even know we were, we were to eight seasons. Which is nuts to me. Yes. Well, and how we got to eight seasons and nobody's talking about the show. And to be fair, maybe that's the reason we're making this a, f- a final season is because, I mean, it's not what it used to be. Yeah, and they seem to have more and more focus on their other shows like uh, Black Lightning, Flash. Um, I, I would say Legends of Tomorrow, but they've never cared about Legends of Tomorrow. No. And to be fair, I don't think any of us really have. I don't think I've watched a single episode, and I'm willing to give any DC show sh- a shot. Yes. I, I I personally am not a fan of the CW shows, Um because of how they're they're kind of structured as more like a CW drama with superheroes, and it's just not my cup of tea, you know? Yeah, I don't think necessarily us as diehard comic book fans were ever the target demographic for the CW shows. Yeah, I, I think agree. they were CW audience aimed at trying to get them to become comic book fans, which is totally yeah. fine. That's a... That's one way to get new readers and new fans of given material. It kind of makes me wonder, um, how many years left does Flash have? Um, I say next year. Yeah, I could see that because Flash is always one season behind what Arrow's doing. Yeah. Uh, no, wait, I, two I, seasons I, behind, I think. Yeah, it's, I mean, and I say that at the latest. Like, I, I, I think CW is going to start backing out of the of the superhero genre here soon. Which I'll be very curious to see how this impacts DC Universe, the streaming service, whether or not we get Arrow on the DC Universe app, which is what something a lot of people have been asking for, but because uh, CW has their own app, I understand why they haven't let them use that. But I'll be curious yeah. to see if those characters or those shows show up on the DC Universe app. Um, quick side tangent with Flash. Did you see there's some leaked set photos of the Flash's main villain for this upcoming season? I have not. And a lot of that's because I don't care. (laughs) I don't either until I saw who the villain was and I about lost it. Why? Who is it? Godspeed. Why? Which 
for those of you who don't know, Godspeed is a very new character in Flash mythology. He was only recently introduced in DC Rebirth, which I think the official event started in 2016. And, um, yeah, Godspeed like came in like 2017. So he's a very new character. Very cool. But I was very he, surprised he very, to see it that. It really is. I just... They're running out of villains for Flash, essentially. <sighs> it's because they won't do team-ups. And when they do, they're lame. Ugh. The only thing I really want, and this is coming from someone that doesn't watch the show, and I care more about the aesthetics and costume designs, I just want one time before the show ends for Oliver to have the classic goatee. Uh, but... See, I prefer him to actually have a sense of humor, but that's me. Yeah, that was another big issue I had with Stephen Amell's um, Arrow, is that he was too much like Batman and not like the Green Arrow I know, which is um, smart Alec, wisecracking, politically-minded individual. Yeah, exactly. Like, Green Arrow is a very political character. No, very. But it is what it is. I like Stephen Amell as a person, as an actor. He's a pretty chill dude. Couldn't put on a halfway decent wrestling match. I'll always give him props for that. And it is kind of it is kind of sad to see Arrow going bye bye. But I think it's it's time. It's not supernatural after all. They can't live forever. Supernatural needed needed to die four seasons ago, but that's a whole other conversation. Oh well, now we can shift the conversation. Two trailers, since there has been a slew of them. But first of all, let's talk about the one that I held out on because Josh wasn't here. The new Hellboy trailer. I was like, you know what? I'm going to wait till Josh gets back because I know he's more excited about this than I am. I'm still excited, but Josh, tell me about this Hellboy trailer. Bro, I enjoyed the crap out of it. <laughs> Um, I, I saw, I see, cause when, when we, you and I had talked about this, your first comment was, I feel you felt like the, um, the tone was a little everywhere, a little everywhere, which I, I get, but at the same time, I, I kind of see what they're going for and I, I kind of enjoy it quite, quite a bit. Um, especially the line towards the end of the trailer that I think is, I don't know, man. I, the big thing was this This trailer sold me on it, Hellboy not being played by Rodden Perlman. See, opposite I felt, for me. I felt more okay with that. Opposite for me. I I really like Ron Perlman as Hellboy. Um, I'm not like a diehard just because I'm not a diehard Hellboy fan. I like them. They're fine. Uh, this one kind of does make me a little bit concerned, though, because the difference between Hellboy and David Arbor's Hellboy is it's going to be a weird analogy, but it's the difference between Jim Carrey in the Grinch and Mike Myers in cat in the hat. Both of them required a lot of face makeup and prosthetics, Mm, but one of them had the still had enough movement in their face that personality and emotions could go through. The other one was, not really the case. And I think that's the case here. Ron Perlman still could emote. They had enough makeup that it worked for his face. You can kind of get the details of what's going on. This, with David Arbor, I can't get a lot of emotion. It's very flat for him. Which is sad because he's a great actor. Oh, yeah. Which I can kind of see that as well. I think I was more excited that this movie looks a lot better 
and looks like it could be the the funny horror horror thriller that I'm I'm hoping it is. Oh yeah. The money shot of the trailer is obviously with him with the flaming horns and the flaming sword riding a dragon into battle. Oh yeah. I mean, how could you not get amped for that? Well, we'll see. I'm still on the fence, but I I'm glad we disagree. I like when we disagree. I just don't think it's going to be that great. I think it's going to be a guilty pleasure for a lot of movie for a lot of movie fans. Not necessarily the best, not nearly as good as Ron Perlman once, but a guilty pleasure, fun time nonetheless. I can see that. I mean, to be fair, the Hellboy movies are like a guilty pleasure to me anyway. So I don't know. The first two, because they're Guillermo del Toro, have that certain production quality that just looks amazing. This one, I don't know if it's to me. I think that's the issue. The production quality doesn't look nearly as good. And maybe it's because it's not from a big of a studio. This is from Millennium Pictures, the same people that brought us the Expendables. That's fair. And you know what? Maybe this is their first you know, hat in the circle, so we'll see what happens. Well, thankfully, it wasn't the only trailer we've gotten recently. Earlier today, we got a new trailer for Brightburn, which I realized we haven't talked about on this podcast yet. So Brightburn is essentially Superman gone really, really, really wrong. And I'm real hyped for this. So it's basically if Superman came to Earth and was a mass murderer, like Man of Steel. Yeah. But like the the key thing here is that he's still a kid. He doesn't grow up and become a mass murderer. Yeah. It's like like, if young Clark was evil. Yeah. He's like eight years old, like flying around killing people. Which, which is terrifying. Yeah, they really play up the horror this time around, which makes me really unsettled. And I like oh, yeah. that. Well, and I like that we got to see a little bit more of what he looks like when he's going full like rage mode or whatever with the mask or whatever he's wearing. Yeah, this, if you didn't tell someone ahead of time what this was, they would swear it's a trailer for man of steel or something because they're it's the same font, almost the same shots, almost the same dialogue from man of steel. And then halfway through it pivots to something completely different. Yeah. Um, I'm, and then that end shot of the trailer. Yeah. Of the lady in the Bro. It's like if Superman and the killer from the gallows combined into one outfit and it's kind of creepy yeah. in how simple it is. Oh, I agree. It still looks like something a kid would... That That's the thing. It lo- still looks like something a kid would design. Yeah. I think something that a lot of people are getting hung up on is they're like, it's by James Gunn. It's by uh, James Gunn's evil Superman movie. I'm like, James Gunn is the producer of this movie. Let's Let's get that straight. He's not the director. It's clearly somebody else's movie that he may have had the idea for, but he's not directing it. So let's just get that clear. Yeah. But I will say this definitely has James Gunn's fingerprints all over it. I think this movie's going to be funnier than we think also. Oh, yeah. Because of it's James Gunn who always slips in some humor. But they have one actually kind of funny moment in the trailer that's glossed over because everything else is sheer terror. And that's when that guy's driving down the road and he sees the kid uh, just floating there and he turns off his headlights, turns back on, the kid's not there. He's just like, nope, 
Nope, nope, nope. Yep. <laughs> yep. Okay, that's actually a logical human reaction to that. And I kind of laughed at that. And I was like, okay, maybe there will be a little bit of humor to this very dark story. Yes. The closest Precisely. we'll ever get to Red Sun. Oh, we, this, this, I think, opens the door for Red Sun. It, it's very dark. And I, I, I was listening to a very interesting debate about this um, movie earlier today. And somebody was suggesting, how has no, how has DC not gotten on the phone and more or less like sued the company that's making this movie? And the counter argument was, well, they don't really have grounds to sue this movie because yes, this is, feels so much like a Superman movie. It's not even funny there would be no legal precedent for any form of suing because there's nothing, there's no Clark Kent, there's no from Krypton. Yeah. It's just using the themes of Superman except in a very inverted way. And I yeah, think it, comic book fans are will be really interested to see this. It'll bring in that crowd, bring in the horror crowd. I think we could be in for a sleeper hit. I really do. Oh, I agree. Based on the trailer alone. Yeah, and it's... It's creepy, man. It really is. Well, oh man, there is another new trailer. I I believe this will be the final trailer. They are listening listing it as trailer two, even though there's been some TV spots. But um, the I think the final trailer for Shazam came out a few days ago, and I'm not gonna lie, I was worried for a bit in this trailer. Wait, why is that? So the first half of this trailer is a lot of shots that we've already seen from previous trailers. And I'm just like, oh, why are we not getting anything new? That's not good. Please, please don't tell me you're purposely hiding things from us. But those fears were quickly alleviated in the second half. Um, And again, I heard a really interesting argument that more or less this trailer is for casual movie audiences not comic book fans who may already be familiar with Shazam. This is trying to get that casual audience. So they had to do that first half of this is Billy. This is how he gets his powers. And then the second half is more of the big slash 30 going on 30 uh, uh, type humor of being an adult, which I'm not going to lie, even though it's going to cause a lot of time rip riffs and plot holes for me. I loved in the trailer when he throws the Batman doll at Dr. Zavanna. Oh, yeah. That's hilarious. Which, even though I'm looking at that going, that's merchandise that's in stores for us. So what kind of timeline or world are we living in that they have toys and comic book representations of characters that we know exist but don't look like that? Well, see, here's the thing, though, is like that, that happens. DC does that all the time. I'm currently going through uh, the Batman Beyond TV show. And there's characters that have been introduced to us as as certain people, and like they go by stores sometimes. And there's toys of those characters being sold. So I don't know, man. Oh yeah, okay, that's fair. They did show more of the humor, but I also liked that they showed a lot of. He's a kid; he makes mistakes. Like. Uh, I love the part in the trailer when he says something like, do you see that? Did you say that? I saved that bus. Yeah, but first you electrocuted and it caused it to crash. But I saved it. 
Yes. Like that's still, exactly how a 12 year old would react when he got superpowers. He'd mess up, yes. save the day, but still be super excited that he saved the day, even if he caused it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so then the big question is, and you and I were kind of briefly talking about this. Henry Cavill's in it. Mark my words. Uh, yeah, but where's Black Adam? Black Adam is not the villain for this one. Maybe the villain for the next one, maybe. That's also, fine. I don't think you bring in Black Adam because Shazam has a, kind of a shallow um, rogues gallery like Wonder Woman does. And so if you blow your load with Black Adam, where do you go from there? Black Adam again, obviously. You can't keep <laughs> using the same villain. That's why as much as Wonder Woman was great, I don't know if I would have used Ares for the first movie. Well, see, the thing is, is uh, I, I can see them using Ares again if they actually give him his actual form and not some weird mustache dude. Yeah, I love EDC, but that was the wrong choice. Um, I, I liked that they brought, they're bringing in more and more humor with each trailer for Shazam because Shazam is a funny character, and I love what Zachary Levi said in an interview of... He's like, Shazam is literally the only superhero in comics that is excited to be a superhero. All other superheroes are like, oh, this responsibility, and they're all brooding and sad that they have to fulfill their moral obligations. Shazam loves being a superhero, and it shows all the time. Oh, now, yeah. I only wish that uh, pop figures hadn't spoiled some other fun surprises that are going to be in the movie, but mm. curse you toys. I haven't seen them, so don't ruin it for me. It, it isn't Henry Cavill or Black Adam spoilers. Well, dang. I do. Oh, okay. So small detail. Um, I do like how they're keeping the hood. Yes. On Shazam's costume. Yes. I like that too. That would have been a very easy, small little detail to just leave out, but it, it, it's kind of fun. Yeah. Um, I would like to see Henry Cavill, as we've said before. Okay, realistically, what what is there a better chance of happening in your mind that we see Black Adam, Henry Cavill Superman, or his magical tiger best friend? Magical Tiger best friend. <laughs> yeah, I of all three of those, I hate to say it, but I think the tiger has the best chance of happening. How could you? First of all, that's Actually, there's a reference to the tiger in the trailer. Yeah, and that's merchandise waiting to happen. Oh, yeah. He's, basically, the tiger is like his version of the cat from He-Man. Yeah, exactly. Except way cooler. And he, he doesn't ride him, ever. Yeah. It's more like a mentor <laughs> figure, but the more I see, the more I'm getting excited for Shazam. But what I'm liking is seeing other people who don't know the character of Shazam or don't know superhero movies that well are going, I'm getting really excited for Shazam. That that makes me excited seeing that this movie might do really well and that other people besides myself are excited. Yeah, exactly. Well, another movie that I have been excited for, even if it's long overdue, is Sherlock Holmes 3, which unfortunately has been delayed again. 
and will now come out December 2021. Originally, it was going to come out December 2020. Now it's been pushed back another year to December 2021, which means when it eventually comes out, it will have been 10 years since the last Sherlock Holmes movie. They're making a third one? Where have you been? (laughs) Here's the thing. You and I have never talked about this. Um, And I generally thought that they were just going to leave it at two. two. And that's fine. The way that the second one ends, whatever, fine. I wasn't a big fan of the second one. but um, I'll agree with that. The second one's not bad, but... They sacrifice a good mystery in the, for the sake of action instead, which is not Sherlock Holmes. Exactly. Um, so if three comes in with more the the more intrigue and the more actual mystery that we I want from a Sherlock Holmes movie, then yeah, let's do. I'm I'm down. With that being said, the. Uh, original two actors with Robert Downey Jr. and Jude Law are still expected to return. However, I'm going to make the bold statement now that Guy Ritchie will not be returning to direct, the guy that did the first two. Yeah. And I, I, I hope he doesn't. Why is that? Did you just do like a fresh take? His last two movies are Aladdin, which comes out in a couple months, and King Arthur's and the Knights of the Round Table, the one with Charlie Hunnam, the one I hate. Uh, yeah. Fair enough. Hey, by the way, since we're on the topic kind of real quick, um, side note, uh, I recently watched um, Robin Hood, the n- most recent one with Terrence. Why? Um, Here's the thing. Did your it's love for Terrence not... Egerton blind you? No, it's actually fairly good. Would I, as a diehard Robin Hood fan, like it? Maybe because of I the way doubt that they it. Pres- I know why they call no, no, no. Jimmy Fox Little John and I don't like it. Here's the thing that if you're going to sit there and do that detail, fine. Yeah, you're not going to like it. But the way it, this isn't the story, it's the story before the story. It's Batman Begins with Robin Hood, and I don't want that. No, it's not. It. Mm, it's the story before Batman Begins. Yeah, that sounds even worse. No, I... Okay, just give I'm it a try. I'm never going to see this movie. Please give it a try. I gave uh, the Russell Crowe one a try, and I rage quit. Why would you... But that one's terrible. Yeah, and this one's not much better. And at least the action in this one is a lot of fun. It's multi-time Razzie-nominated. Okay, listen, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on to things. The things that I'm sure in no way won't give me any form of aneurysm. My favorite person to talk about on this show, Jared Leto. Oh, boy. He's but this time it might why, be positive. Why, 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 are you, why, why are you hating on Jared? Okay, I will say by and large, I'm not a, I'm not a Jared Leto hater. Just I hate him as Joker, and I feel like that's by and large the most times that we talk about Jared Leto, it's Joker related. However, this Fair time enough. it's not because I think he is officially done as Joker now that he is Morbius, and it's more or less official now. Like I kind of always had this doubt in the back of my mind that the Morbius solo film that 
we're getting, which is a spinoff of the Venomverse, I guess, um, stars Morbius the Living Vampire, played by uh, Jared Leto. Well, apparently has started filming, and he posted the first production photo from it. Uh, this The picture is nothing fancy. It just shows to me that they're going to go with the long, black, stringy hair, like Morbius typically does. And it more just kind of reassures me that this is happening. It it makes me go, okay, this is real now. Yeah. Well, and what's interesting is they call Morbius an anti-hero in the articles that I've read. Yeah. So. I'm not okay with be, that. Yeah, this is going to be interesting to say the least. The thing is, because Venom, they did the Venom. same. They did the same thing to Venom. It was like, well, he's Venom an has been an anti-hero though. I but I refuse to sit here and and let you tell me that a being that bites people's heads off is an anti-hero is an anti-hero. He has had anti-hero storylines, like the Lethal Protector storyline, yeah. when he has more evil opponents than he. But Morbius is a vampire. How is that a good guy? Yeah. It'll be and interesting. And he's played by Jared Leto, who is not a good guy. Yeah, he's a little nuts. A little? Yeah, he, he, he's a method actor, to say the least. He's method something. <laughs> but it's... I'll be, I'm more, I'll be more interested in this Morbius movie when we see his design. Because... If we're yes. just going to have him end up looking like a Marilyn Manson-looking character, I'm out. Yeah. Which I'm either afraid you might commit, happen. Yeah, either you commit to this, make up an all, or just get out. Which, I want a literal translation of the costume from the comics, but at the same time, I know that's not going to happen because it is a little ridiculous. I don't need, like, a super-duper... Like V neck that goes down to the belly button with the high collar, as ridiculous as that costume is at times. Yeah, no, I'm good. Just something updated, but you can still tell it's Morbius. I, I don't know where they're going with this. I don't know if this is Sony going, oh, Venom worked. Let's do it with something else in the Spider Verse that doesn't have to do with Spider Man because he's preoccupied. Yeah, Venom wasn't it is isn't bad. It's just not good. I was supposed to say, there's a button there somewhere, isn't there? Yeah. Well, I want to move on to something, believe it or not, I am actually happy about. Mm. So. Okay, why are you happy about this? So, we are getting a Sandlot TV series. Now, I have, I don't know if I got where this will be, whether it'll be an actual, like, cable show or if it'll be on Netflix. And it'll have the original cast from the original Sandlot coming back 30 years later in the timeline from the original Sandlot. And it will take place in 1984. I'm very much okay with this because, to me, Sandlot is the best baseball movie of all time. I love Sandlot. I watched it to death as a kid. And I would like to see, granted not... Like the Sandlot 2 or Sandlot 3, which admittedly I have seen because I'm that much of a mark for the original Sandlot movie. I would like to see where the original cast are at. However, the more I thought about this, I actually had a story pitch that I would like. I'm, I would like to see this. But before I go on that side tangent, Josh, what do you think about this? What do you think about Sandlot TV care. show? 
I don't care. <laughs> I love Sandlot. Uh, the second one is trash. Oh, but uh, the yeah, I, obviously. Um, but uh, to me, this feels like some guys got really bored and were like, "Hey, we need a decent paycheck, so I, let's let's make a TV series." See, the reason why I stayed in or two. I think That's they genuinely fair. want to come back and reunite and put something good out because they care about Sandlot. That's fair. Okay, I can see that. Now let's see if I can turn my brain powers, my creative juices flowing enough to make you interested in this. So when I thought right, about this, I'll be impressed. Uh, when I thought about this, I thought of something. Oh wow! Let's connect the dots and go down this path. So remember, squints. And the lifeguard, Wendy Peppercorn. Yep. So remember at the end of the movie when they say what happened to all the characters from the Sandlot? Like, he went up to AAA. These guys started their own thing called strip malls. Yes. So we find out that Squints and Wendy Peppercorn got married and they have nine kids. How many players do you need for a baseball team? Eleven. Nine. Oh. <laughs> Shows you how much I know. <laughs> so what if... What if... It is Squints and Wendy Peppercorn's nine kids are the new nine kids on the Sandlot. Hmm. Hmm. I'm down. And it's all the different... the All the original guys, like Smalls, which, okay, I thought about this. The show will break some timelines because um, if you remember at the end of Sandlot, Benny the Jet Rodriguez becomes the best base dealer for the Dodgers and Smalls becomes a commentator for the Dodgers. So where are they going to factor into this TV show? Okay, yes, I know I have a lot of thoughts on Sandlot and I've seen it way too much, but we'll get into that in our main discussion. Um, But they've said that they will come back. I guess if this takes place 30 years later, I guess they're professional careers might be over so maybe they come back to where it all starts with sandlot at the end of the day i think this will work because sandlot worked as a movie not because it was a baseball movie the sandlot i say it's the best baseball movie of all time but it's more than about baseball it's more or less just about kids playing ball and being kids and growing up if that's the premise of the show and the sandlot is just more or less the setting where they grow up and become friends I think that could work just fine. Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm more just hung up on my Wendy Peppercorn and Squints had nine kids, and I never realized that joke as a kid that it takes nine players on a baseball team. So what if they're the nine? <laughs> That'd be cool. But I, I'd be more, honestly, more interested in doing as cliche and normal of a storytelling it is, as it is. Um, have each player have at least one, maybe multiple kids, and they're the new ones. And so everybody, everybody's got kids, and they all talk about their parents and have stories that through that of them growing up with their parents that also grew up with, on the Sandlot. And so now it's their job, their time to take over the Sandlot. Or Cobra Kai, and they more or less just have to rematch the preppy kids. Yeah. Let's just make sure that we have the snappy, wonderful dialogue from the original. Like, if my dog was as ugly as your face, i tell him to shave his butt and walk backwards for the rest of his life. (laughs) 
Uh, do you think they're going to bring back the, the, the scary dog? Well, I guess not if it's going to be 30 years later. Yeah, probably not 30 years later, but I think there'll be a dog. Yeah. Hercules two. Maybe name Zeus or something. Watch one of them actually have like a giant St. Bernard as a dog. I'd be okay with that. That'd be so adorable. Now, I was super hyped for Sandlot, more Sandlot, all the time, please. Now, Josh, I feel like you were more excited for this story. Edge of Tomorrow 2, finally. Well, I mean, okay, so have you seen the first one? I saw it before you did, back when you thought it was still called Live, Die, Repeat. Oh, yeah, leave me alone. Okay, to be fair, that was those were the only words on the cover. No, it's Edge of Tomorrow. I'm aware. Instead of the much better title, All You Need Is Kill. Uh, yeah, well. Which is much better. It, uh, here's hoping the sequel's called that instead. <laughs> okay, to be fair, um, the way that the first one ends, like, left me wanting a second one. Like, how, how long ago you... was the first one? Way too long ago. I don't even know. I can't tell you, dude. It's just, it's one of those things that I wanted more of this world and this technology that they have. And plus, yeah. Emily Blunt is awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. And her stock has only risen since Edge of Tomorrow. Now with The Quiet Place, Mary Poppins Returns. Oh, yeah, totally. It's a matter of when can she and Tom Cruise both fit this into their schedules because he's going to be preoccupied shooting two Mission Apostles back to back. That being said, I would like to see more Edge of Tomorrow. I really liked the first one. I thought it was a clever premise. It was way better than the marketing. Arguably, Edge of Tomorrow has the worst marketing campaign in movie history. Changing um, the title twice before release, having... Um, misleading trailers that led to disappointing opening weekend box office but word of mouth at least traveled well and it had legs and that's why it's taken so long to make a sequel because it it didn't blow away the box office but it it like crawled to break even i think so you would say that this has the worst marketing campaign and you're saying that it's worse than john carter yeah because john carter didn't change their name at all they just That's chose fair. a bad name. Edge of Tomorrow That's changed fair. it twice. And then changed it again when it came on Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah, exactly. See, so I'm not also, wrong. John Carter's trailers in- accurately showed what the movie was about. Edge of Tomorrow's, like, the tone didn't match the trailers at all. The trailers were confusing. They didn't bring people to the theater. Yeah. Also, John Carter had the uphill battle of no one knew what John Carter was. John Carter is really influential to the world of sci-fi, but the problem is it took so long for a John Carter movie to happen that everything that was inspired by John Carter had already come out. Like, Star Wars was heavily influenced yeah. by John Carter, That, but when John Carter came out, we were like, you stole from Star Wars. Well, actually, John Carter did it first, but whatever. Yeah, exactly. It's like if they tried to make a Flash Gordon movie now. There is a Flash Gordon movie. No, like an up, updated Flash Gordon movie. I thought movie. they're working on one with Chris Hemsworth. Really? I thought. Or am I thinking uh, He-Man? You might be thinking. I'd be down with a He-Man. 
Honestly, the, there was that rumored th- live action Thundercats movie that they they thought Hey-o. about doing. I would be so down. I don't know, man. I think a live action Thundercats could look kind of creepy. Well, like, yeah, that's the. I'm point. picturing like cats, the musical cats. Oh, stop! That's why I'm like. Eh. The, I'm also going. Also... Eh, with our next topic. <sighs> Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. Oh boy. Okay, so I I'm down because you you wanna you wanna fine you know you, you wanna hit hit us with Maleficent. You wanna make us feel bad for her story. Fine, whatever. Now, like now that we're kind of rooting for her and is in a little a little bit, it wouldn't be like a bad idea to show us her descent into evil, actual evil. I don't know. Like it, it could be like it's the whole traditional wrestling story, you know. Of, of but they won't face. do that. They they had the chance to the first one. They didn't take it. Here, it's more. They're gonna keep going with that line of, um, she's just a misunderstood good guy deep at heart. She's got a heart of gold secretly to the point that one of the podcasts that I listened to suggested today that they're like five bucks says mistress of evil doesn't even refer to her but the actual villain of the movie that she has to come in contact with i'm going "Uh uh-oh that makes too much sense jeez yeah doesn't it jeez oh man now you're just like oh boy look man i have so much issue with the first maleficent of not green skin for some reason, not the villain, doesn't turn into a dragon, but somehow can turn other people into dragons, turn Disney's one of Disney's most feared villains into Angelina Jolie, a sympathetic baby face, I guess. Yeah. It's like saying uh, Hannibal Lecter was actually just a cuddly, lovable guy. I mean, he's kind of lovable. Maleficent tried to kill a toddler. Well, yeah, but wouldn't you? Let's not go down that. <laughs> Let's not get on put on any watch list. <laughs> I mean, of all you're talking Disney's to the guy live action that... remakes that are coming out, is this really one that needs to happen? Also, this movie got pushed up seven months. It was supposed to come out next summer, but it's coming out this October. Yeah. Maybe it's just ready that quick. I don't know. Or maybe they're trying to uh, have something good, uh, decent come out after Aladdin. <laughs> yeah, it's called Lion King. It's called Star Wars. It's called Toy Story 4. Uh, what? No. No, 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 no. Maleficent Mistress of Evil is going to blow them all out of the water. Guaranteed. <laughs> Why can't we have a hook live action movie then if we're getting Maleficent? Why do we need Maleficent? Uh, it's just. I don't know. Hey, man, but I think we need another Maleficent just about as much as we need another Ghostbusters. Nice segue. You're learning. You're learning. I am. I am. However, this one I don't have as much of an issue with because it's set back in the original timeline of Ghostbusters. Yeah, it's fine, I guess. But Also, it is it is a sequel, but it isn't from what I understand because this new Ghostbusters by um, Jason Reitman, son of Ivan Reitman, who directed the original movie, um, this one is going to star new Ghostbusters 
but will be set in the timeline of the original film and will probably interact with the original Ghostbusters. And I'm much more okay with that than completely ignoring your past like the 2016 Ghostbusters. That's that makes fair, sense. I guess. I'm not a huge Ghostbusters fan. The reason we're talking about it today is there's discussions that reportedly um, Finn Wolfhard, the dude from Stranger Things and It, is in talks to be one of the main characters from Ghostbusters, to which I'm just going, can this kid get in any more 80s-related things? I mean, to be fair, this kid is just acting his butt off in literally everything he does. I think he's even got got like an indie band that that he tours with. He looks like Mm -hmm. a reincarnated member of the Naked Brothers Band. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Yes, I made a Naked Brothers Band reference in 2019. Yeah. But Yeah. I'm I'm more down for it than you are, I'm guessing. That being said, oh, yeah. my heart's not that I, super I, into it. I think Ghostbusters is good. It's fine. Yeah, like uh, it's fine. And for all those people that are like, why can't we have it with the original cast? Bill Murray. Bill Murray's why. So, don't get mad at them for trying to continue the franchise in new, fresh directions. Look at Men in Black. That looks like it's going in a fun new direction. Maybe Ghostbusters need to take a playbook out of that. Because that looks like a lot of fun and something fresh, but still in the same vein of the original. So, if Ghostbusters can duplicate what Men in Black International is doing, they're probably on the right path. Yep. Oh, it's going to be so cool. Speaking of not on the right path... (laughs) Shut up, Josh. Literally, as soon as this topic came up and got posted on the internet, I sent a link out to you, Nathan, and just to torture you. Because this not only confuses me more, it disgusts me more. I don't understand what they're doing with Sonic. I don't understand. What are you referring to, Josh? So the, this past week, there was a first look released of, of Sonic in the new live-action movie. And it doesn't make any sense. It also doesn't look like Sonic. I mean, it kind of looks like Sonic, but like... Oh, it looks like a rejected Chuck E. Cheese member. Uh, regardless, it doesn't make sense to have Sonic look so cartoony in a live-action movie. Yeah, he movie. looks like he got ripped from a Minions movie, that animation style that they have for him. Yeah, exactly. Like, the eyes like are he, all wrong, the shoes are all wrong, the gloves are all wrong. He's got beefy legs. What's going on? I don't I mean, understand. He does run a lot. He gotta go fast. Yeah, but run, not squat. He never skips leg day, man, and neither should you. <laughs> I mean, he, he skips all the other days, so though wrong it's just everything yes. about the design he looks so bad i'm not yeah, even a sonic fan and this looks really tragic yeah it looks really scary and then i saw a great tweet that went with it um that someone was like and remember guys there'll be a day when we get an official image of jim carrey as dr wiley and i'm going oh god no why? I didn't even want to think about that. Now you're going to be thinking about that. We thought this was bad. Oh, it's going to be so Not bad. Not Dr. Wiley, Dr. Robotnik. Yeah, I was going to say. Dr. Um, Wiley something No, else. 
Stop. Because you know that's coming too. Because Jim Carrey is Dr. Robotnik in this movie. In this movie, I, what is happening with this? I keep forgetting how nuts this is. <laughs> and then the more I see of it, the more I'm like, who thought this is a good idea? So who thought the these designs were a good idea? Just no. Here's Sonic the thing. looks bad. I'm sure Dr. Robotnik's going to look even worse. Here's the thing. Oh, boy. How much you want to bet that this is going to be weird and crazy, but just like Speed Racer, have a weird amount of fun to it. And, and it's going to be make hard. as much money as Speed Racer, too. Listen, Speed Racer is a sleeper hit, in my opinion, because that movie is fun. Yeah, well, so did, what was it? Um, a lot of movies that we talk about. Um, but regardless, it's a lot of fun. And how much do you want to bet that Sonic... <sighs> it's not going to be good, dude. I, no, I, not, I did not say Speed Racer was good. I didn't say, and I don't think Speed Racer, uh, sorry, Sonic's going to be good. But it could be fun. <laughs> I don't think so. I just hope it's just Sonic and Dr. Robotnik. I don't hope, I really hope they don't drag in any of the ones I actually care about. You leave my knuckles out of this. He didn't do anything to deserve to be in this crap. <laughs> Bring in some awkward tales. Uh... Or even better, bring in Amy. <laughs> Is she the human? Oh, God, stop. Nope, 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 nope. Don't, don't do that to me. Nope. All right, so let's segue into our sponsor this week. The Sonic's, like, killing my brain cells, so I'm just going to go with Spitz. Sunflower Seeds is our sponsor this week. You're hard oh. to find, Spitz, but you're good if I can find you. Well, that's because you live in Florida, buddy. I'm, uh, they're everywhere over here. I'm very particular, though. I only get like two flavors of spits and they're even harder to find that's so fair. that's fair i get that I they're like at every 7-eleven but i don't really want cracked pepper or dill pickle what why not just get the original bro 7-eleven only has like those two flavors that's why why wouldn't why would they not carry original what's because wrong 7-11 with 7-eleven is weird man and i'd bring up sunflower seeds as a sponsor because Sunflower seeds are the official snack of baseball games, and that's what we're talking about today. Spring training is here, guys. It's almost baseball season, so thanks for moving aside, football. I never care about you. Rude. Hey, you're a Texans fan. You don't know what football is. Yeah, but I'm also an Astros fan. Good for you guys. You're not the Lastros anymore. I know, right? We've worked so hard for this. <laughs> and, like, people talk trash. Like, they didn't deserve, like, nah, screw you, man. Our, our city got hit with a with a hurricane. We, de- also, we deserve this. <laughs> also, you guys had to endure those really bad baseball jerseys from the 80s. Oh, yes. The vomit sunset. Bro, we, 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 we deserve all of this stuff that we're getting now. Yeah. Well, today, our main discussion is... The best baseball movies as spring training gets clo- is underway. We're getting closer and closer to opening day and baseball season. And given that we'll probably be talking about something Shazam related for our main discussion when it's actually opening day and opening weekend, I figured, hey, with Sandlot now out, let's talk baseball movies. Because honestly, in the world of sports movies, I'm sure I'm biased, 
But I think baseball has by far the best movies in terms of representation. We've had a lot of great baseball movies. We talked about combat sports movies one day, but I think baseball has some of the best sports movies over basketball, over football. Baseball's got some great movies. I mean, to be fair, hockey only has one, and it's a it's a straight banger. So, are you thinking the miracle? Or yeah, miracle? bro. Miracle's like one of the best sports movies ever. So, what about the goon? That's a great movie. What are you talking about? Yeah, you and the mighty ducks. Good hockey movie. And, and the and the mighty ducks. Ugh. Anyway, moving on <laughs> to baseball. So, Mighty Ducks is a great, like, 90s kids um, sports movie. You know what's another great 90s kids sports movie? The Sandlot. Yeah. King of the Segway. Or, yeah. I think Sandlot yeah. will always be my favorite baseball movie because it's more than about baseball. It's about life and just growing up. Well, I mean, yeah, and I guess you can kind of say the same thing, though, about Angels in the Outfield. Which, you don't realize it at the time, but that kid is Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, totally. And it's like, Doc Brown is the angel. <laughs> See, and it's really funny, because I, I don't think I, I realized up until recently how much Jordan Gordon, uh, yeah, Jordan Gordon-Levitt worked as a kid. Like, how many classic movies back in the day had him in it? Oh, yeah. He was all over the place. And I'll be honest, I think Angels in the Outfield is one of my earliest memories that I can think of. And it's a super weird memory, but it's one that I remember well. Um, When I was super little, um, my parents went to Disneyland. And I remember when they were checking in at the hotel, I sat on the couch and watched the TV in the lobby and... on the TV, they were showing a trailer for Angels in the Outfield. And it also was used to be a trailer in front of a couple different Disney movies that we had on VHS. So whenever I'd watch a Disney VHS, it would have that trailer. So I knew that trailer really, really well for that movie. And it took me a couple of years to finally see it. But, yeah, I like Angels in the Outfield. It's really hard to find nowadays, but I really like that one, too. I agree. I was um, so much of a fan of Angels in the Outfield. I saw the sequel, Angels in the Infield, and the sequel to that, Angels in the End Zone. Yeah, those aren't... Um, they're movies. They're, they're, those, are, those are things that were made. Yep. Those existed hey, at one point. Yeah. Baseball uh, does so, have some great comedies, though. Oh, uh, completely. And I think what what's interesting, too, is... Um, Reese, it has some of the most emotional stories as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, between the rookie and at least the only, the ones that I have seen, the rookie and uh, a, a, a trouble with the curve. I have actually not seen trouble with the curve. Um, I would so I'm not that big of a Clint Eastwood guy, right? I, I did he I, direct cool. it or did he just star in it? He directed and starred. Okay, so at least to my understanding. I'm not a big clean Eastwood guy. And he was like, he plays, he plays like an old, old dude in this, not like the old dude from Gran Torino, who's still kind of awesome and in his weird ways, but like, he plays like an old dude. Like there's a couple times in this movie where like he could die at any moment right now. And we wouldn't know, but, um, it, it's a very good movie. And it, 
shows the connection that between people that sports can create. It, it's it's very interest intriguing, and I went into it as uh, like a roommate. His family was in town and his, with his grandfather, and they were he, they were like, "We're going to take you to a movie," and we're like, "Okay, cool." And then they were like, "Grandpa, what do you want to see?" <laughs> And he was like, trouble with the curb, cleaning with soda dinner. And so like, I'm like rolling my eyes. That sounds like a grandpa movie. Yep. I was like, I rolling my eyes. And then I ended up enjoying the crap out of it. So yeah, if trouble with the curve is a grandpa movie, then the rookie is a dad movie. Oh, bro. How? And it's like the ultimate dad too. in Dennis Quaid, Dennis Quaid really is the ultimate dad. Whereas Randy Quaid is the uncle ultimate drunk uncle. Exactly. But like Including the, the fact that one is not allowed in Canada. <laughs> it's banished to Canada, I mean. Uh, and that's, I mean, this Canada, dude, that takes a lot to get banished. He's banished to Canada. But yes, Dennis Quaid is like the ultimate dad in The Rookie. Uh, it, it, he really is. And like, it's interesting how quickly you start to root for him. Like, they don't have to try hard for you to be like, nah, I want this guy to succeed. The funny thing is with the rookie, like, you, there's a lot more of it than there's a lot more to it that I remember that I don't even realize that I do remember. I remember in college one day, um, I made some joke about the nucleus, and my roommate just looked over to me. He's like, "How? How did you pull that one out of your brain?" And he knew exactly what I was referring to. <laughs> yep. There's like, a lot of weird things in that movie. And I remember I remember uh, like stupid little things like him throwing the baseball in, in front the of rain. the in the rain in front of the little uh, speed speedometer. Yeah. Which by the way, kids, is not at all how a speedometer works. But also it does not do that at all. It's impossible. No, yeah, it exactly. Pick up a baseball. Yeah, nope, that's not how it works. Um, <laughs> but when you're watching it, you're like, oh, this is so cool. <laughs> this is a great moment. It, yeah, it's just one of those like good feel-good moments, good feel-good really movies. Is. I put it like on par with Invincible in terms of like, it's pretty predictable and safe, but it's a good movie, which Invincible is very underappreciated. No, I agree. Early Mark Wahlberg, but... I really like The Rookie. It's a really good one. Um, To me, my second favorite baseball movie besides Sandlot, in terms of like pure this is what baseball is all about, I've read the book like four, five, six times already. I love it so much. That's Moneyball. When I first heard that they're making a movie about Moneyball, I thought it was going to be like a documentary, like Ken Burns style, because Ken Burns has this great uh, 10-part documentary series on baseball. So I figured, oh, it's going to be like Ken Burns documentary. And then they said Brad Pitt was going to be in it. I was like, oh, okay. And I just finished reading the book when the movie came out. And, oh, it's so refreshing to see a movie that so loyally follows a book, which follows the events of an actual thing that happened. And I yeah. love Moneyball. I have not gotten a chance to see it. That's one of those that's... It's on my list. I just haven't gotten to go see it. Moneyball is one of those movies that, and I'm sure I'm biased when I say this, should have been nominated for more things at the Academy Awards because unlike a lot of other sports movies, it has such good cinematography, pacing, 
really good dialogue. It's very much it's like if Warrior was a baseball movie in terms of it's the sport itself is not the focus. It's the character drama and it's really good character drama and really well written. And as someone that's read the book and knows the story of the Oakland A's, it's so well done. Like there's wordage and lines written in the book that are translated directly for the movie, essentially of how does this poorest team in baseball survive in a rich sport like baseball, where you have teams like the Yankees and the Red Sox that have four to five times the budget of you. And it's this really interesting, it's almost like an economics movie, but it's so well done. But at the same time, it just cuts straight to the heart of what baseball is all about. In kind of just the number, as someone that likes stats and statistics, Moneyball is right up my alley. I love sabermetrics, which is a complex way of saying numbers like batting average and stuff. So yeah. it's kind of analytical at times, but it's so well done. Fair enough. On the flip side, you got the analytical, but then you have the emotional side of baseball with Field of Dreams, which I think Kevin Costner just has to call dibs on every baseball movie ever made. Well, basically. But Field of Dreams is like, it has to be on almost any baseball movie list at some point or another because it's got that great um, James Earl Jones thing, which I might see if I can remember that later in the show to like close out the show because I think that's another one of those monologues that I tried to memorize early on. Uh, Money uh, Field of Dreams is just great because it's the throwback of this is why people love baseball. This is why people play baseball of it. Field dreams essentially is a story about a father and son, but you don't realize that until the end. And that's what makes it so good. Yeah. But baseball is not all serious. We said earlier, baseball has some great comedies. Josh, what are some really good comedies for baseball? There's Uh, one in particular I'm thinking of. Yeah, Major League, bro. Because I, I, you and I were talking earlier today about like because you were concerned I wasn't going to be able to say anything about baseball movies, and I proved you wrong. But we brought you brought up Major League, and I was like, oh, that's that one with uh, normal Charlie Sheen, Sheen. <laughs> half blind Charlie Sheen, and you're like, yep, that one. I was like, all right, cool. I know exactly what we're talking about. <laughs> Actually, speaking of Charlie Sheen and and Major League last night. Um, Heather and I met up with an old friend of ours uh, from when I lived in Colorado and on our way out of one of the parks uh, we actually saw a guy wearing a major league jacket and hat and I was like that is awesome oh I need one yeah like okay when was the last time you saw major league like how fresh is it in your mind do you think? Uh, it's, it, it's definitely been a few years I think my favorite isn't actually Charlie Sheen. He's he's a good character, but I think oh, my, no, yeah. my favorite has to be Dennis Haysbert, the religious guy. The one yes. with Joe Boo. Yes. Joe Boo likes uh. his whiskey. <laughs> I like oh, and to be fair, I really like the coach whose name escapes from my mind at the at this Oh moment. yeah. I'm picturing his face too, but yeah, he's the more or less the but grumpy old mentor figure. Yeah, like that's the thing though about Major League is if the characters are so diverse and, and hilarious and it's such like a baseball 
movie in that way. It's so quirky and all over the place of like one minute you'll see them duct taping the wing of the plane back together so they can fly to their next location. Yes. Or you see a character reading a comic book because he doesn't want to read the actual book. Oh, man. And, and well, I, I vividly remember the uh, the American Express credit card commercials. <laughs> yeah, where they're all... That they randomly do in the middle of the movie. And it's so it's like great. The, the scene from Wayne's World where they all have the random advertising spots. Yes. <laughs> I'm uh, such a I'm, mark for Major League that I actually mo- don't mind the second one either. But there's certain yeah, moments in the bad. second one that make me laugh. Yeah, it's, it's not bad. I yeah, mean, the first like one is the worst the comedy best. sequel I've seen. Granted, it repeats the first one, but that's to me, that's kind of why it works. I agree. If if you're here for a good time, definitely go watch some Major League. Now, there's a couple underrated ones that I would say kind of fit in that comedy category. That, in terms of baseball movies, don't get talked about. I think enough primarily because. They do, but they don't focus on baseball. They focus on other things. One of them is Mr. 3000, starring Bernie Mac. I see. I don't think I've actually heard this. Yeah, this one's really under the radar. But essentially, Bernie Mac is this, like, super egotistical, Barry Bonds type character who is, like, super full of himself and narcissistic. And so the day that he gets his 3,000th hit, he retires on the spot, says, screw you to the organization that he's with, and retires because he's got 3,000 hits, and he's great at what he does. Um, then a statistician comes to him like 13 years later and is like, um, dude, I'm sorry, I did the math wrong. You have 2,994 hits. You're short six hits of 3,000. Uh. So this dude like comes out of retirement to get his last hits because he's that much of a narcissist. And so over the course of the movie, obviously he has character development and learns to become a team player. And I like it primarily for the ending. Do you care if it gets spoiled? Not at all. So uh, the end of the movie, he has, there's a runner on second with two out, with like one out. Um, Who's on first? Huh? Who's on first? What's on second? I don't know who's on third. Yeah, okay, anyway, sorry. I had to do it. You know I had to do it at least once. Honorable mention to Abbott and Costello. But, <laughs> uh, so there's a runner on second, like this new young upstart that he's trying, he's more or less taken under his wing. And so Bernie Mac's character is sitting at 2,999 hits. So he's one hit away from regaining that 3,000. There's a runner on second. He bunts to get the guaranteed out but he gets the runner home and wins the game for his team. He sacrifices his, he literally sacrifices his hit, but he also sacrifices his 3,000th to show this young kid the team is bigger than himself, which is good character development, but it's also good baseball story of there's a lot of players that want to go out with, oh yeah, I would love for my last home run to be, uh, my last at-bat to be a home run. But I think it was George Brett that once said, I want my last at-bat to be a hard ground ball out to first so I can show the young guys 
that you still hustle in every single play. And I really like that ending of it wasn't the ending you expect. You expect him to get that 3,000th hit, but him not getting it was kind of a nice surprise because not all stories, especially in sports, have a happy ending. This one still ended up with a happy ending, but not the happy ending you expected. And I kind of really liked that. It was something different that I hadn't seen in a sports movie before. Huh. Fair enough. But also, this other one, baseball kind of takes a backseat, but it accurately represents the life of a Red Sox fan. And Red Sox fans are nuts. It's also probably the only oh, yeah. good Jimmy Fallon movie I've ever seen. And that's Fever Pitch. Never heard or seen this movie. Really? <laughs> You've never heard of Fever Pitch? It's one of the nope. few rom-coms I actually like. Nope. So Jimmy Fallon is a diehard Red Sox fan. That's problem number one. Um, he comes across Drew Barrymore, and they start dating and everything else. So he eventually has to decide between his loyalty to the Red Sox, because he goes to literally every single game ever, ever since his uh, father or grandfather died and gave him his um, like lifetime tickets or whatever. So he goes to every single Red Sox game. He has to choose between the Red Sox, who are in the World Series, or his girlfriend. What I like about it is this movie takes place with the 2004 Red Sox, which I don't know if you know baseball, but 2004 Red Sox were down three games to none in the ALCS, and they were the first team ever to win four straight and come back from the 3-0 deficit to win four straight games and go to the World Series. So the original ending of the movie was supposed to be um, Jimmy Fallon's character learns the error of his ways and sticks with his girlfriend because he knows the Red Sox are just going to lose another season, whatever, but the Red Sox will always be there, but the girl is more important. Well, what ended up happening was the Red Sox came back and win it, so they had to actually reshoot the entire ending of the movie because the Red Sox won. Jeez. And it was just like, well, the Red Sox are down three games to nothing. We're just going to shoot this ending because there's no chance that they're going to come back and win, and they actually did, so they had to rewrite everything. And it's one of the few rom-coms that I don't mind because they focus on comedy first, but also it's not one of those, I fell in love with you over the span of two, three weeks. This takes place over the course of a baseball season. It starts before spring training and ends more or less at the World Series. That's a span of like nine months. Jeez. So it's a reasonable amount of time. They're actually, they feel like human characters. They get what it's like to be a baseball fan really well. And it's, and it's funny. Jimmy Fallon's not the best movie actor. He really isn't. I like Jimmy Fallon, but his movie, he doesn't have really great movies. But this is one of them, I think. <laughs> Fair enough. Any other ones that you could think of or any other? That's like, I really want to talk about this. Yeah, I, 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 I watched a lot of sports movies, but um, obviously baseball is not my forte. Um, and part of that nice. is, it, uh, part, well, see, but part of that is growing up as a as a Lastros fan. Like, yeah, we had our our little bump there with Bagwell and uh, Biggio, and when Clemens came, bees. came through. But like, we've never, you know, baseball wasn't really that big of a deal in in Houston when I was growing up. Honestly, I've so, only been a baseball fan for about twelve years now. I know exactly why too, which. Side track, how I became a baseball fan would be a fantastic baseball move, would be 
A fantastic movie. So essentially it was with two weeks left in the regular season, my Colorado Rockies, who I wasn't a huge fan of at the time, probably because I wasn't a baseball fan, there were four games out. So that's not a lot of math. That that doesn't bode well. Basically you have 11 games to move up in your division four spots. Four games, I mean. So not only do you have to win, other teams have to lose. So what happened Ooh. was the Rockies won t- 10 out of 11 games to force a one-game tiebreaker with the San Diego Padres for the wild-card spot, which at the time, there wasn't a wild-card game yet. There is now, but at the time, there wasn't one. So this was super rare. Rockies win that in the bottom of the 13th inning. Then they go on to sweep the playoffs completely, and then they got swept in the World Series. But something like that had never happened before, and the Rockies won 21 out of 22 to get to the World Series. And it was really, really cool. The city experienced it, and it was something really awesome that I would I'm like, this just sounds like it could be a great sports movie. Yeah. I feel that. Got destroyed in the World Series. <laughs> but, like, that was kind of like how all of Houston came together for, for the World Series, for for our, our Astros these past couple of years, just because it all of a sudden we realized, holy crap, like we could actually like be good at this. Wow. But I mean, I don't really know what baseball movies that well. I'm more of a football and, and basketball kind of guy anyway. Mm, excuse me. But, but uh, yeah, there's, there's the good enough stuff, baseball man. movies out there, more than enough baseball movies oh, for yeah. all kinds of interest, whether that's rom com. Dramas, comedies, whatever. Yeah, well, and if you really wanna, if you really wanna blur the lines, I guess technically anger management is a baseball movie. Oh, bench warmers! Oh, oh, bench warmers! How did we forget about bench warmers? Oh, we forget about 12. bench warmers. Oh, that movie is so terrible, but it's so funny. Yeah, on paper, I should hate bench warmers because I hate that type of stupid humor. But I love bench warmers. I really do. Oh, I do too. It's, it's I the lose it every time. It's just like, how's your relationship with the moon? How's your relationship with the sun? Better. How's your relationship with the moon? Not a fan. <laughs> I just love, uh, I love, I love like, it. I'm not normally a Rob Schneider fan, but he's pretty good in that. Oh, I hate Rob Schneider. <laughs> but he's good in that, isn't he? Yes, he is. Really, everybody is pretty good in that movie. So, yeah, there's a baseball movie for all interest, and I'm very much excited for opening day. So, as I said earlier, let me see if I can remember that um, quote from the end of Field of Dreams, because that, to me, is always, like, a perfect summary of a baseball movie. Um, So, it's at the end of Field of Dreams when their main character is deciding whether or not to sell his farm that has this, like, magical baseball field. And, of course, it's narrated by James Earl Jones, because if you want narration done right, you bring in James Earl Jones. Obviously. And so he more or less says something along the lines of, if I can remember it correctly, the one constant through all the years, Ray, is baseball. Baseball. Oh, what is it? Oh, balls. I had it. It's um, the one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. America's uh, something like um, I had it, too. It's been so long since I've watched Field of Dreams. It's... <laughs> This field, this game, it's part of our past. It's like, it's been a race like a blackboard, rewritten and erased again. But this field, this game, 
has marked the times. America's rolled by like an army of steamrollers type of thing, but baseball has always been here. I'm just like, ah, oh, James Earl Jones, you, you speak the truth, my man. And I look forward to seeing you die again in Lion King. That's kind of terrible, but I agree. Well, those are the best baseball movies. There's some of the best baseball movies. I'm sure there's plenty out there that we miss, like A League of Their Own or The Natural, that we might get to, to another discussion. But, yeah, what are some of your all-time favorite baseball movies? Let us know in the comments below. And, as always, if you like what you see here and you want to hear more, subscribe to us on whatever audio platform you listen to, whether that be Google Play, iTunes, YouTube, etc. And, as always, stay sharp, movie guys and gals.